0: Good afternoon, evening, morning, listeners, wherever you find yourself in the world. I am Ben Beharin. Hello, world. I am Jay Goldberg. This is episode 27 of The Circuit. We're recording Wednesday, August 2nd. Apologize for the delays. This has been a heavy travel couple of weeks for uh, Jay and I. But the timing fits for some earnings to discuss, which actually speak to some fairly fascinating macro trends uh, in the semiconductor industry. One of them being one we talked about, I don't remember how many episodes ago, um, about how cyclical the semiconductor market can be, which you kind of have to empathize, and I'm just throwing this out there, because semiconductor companies aren't necessarily ones that get subscription revenue. They They don't necessarily always have the most predictable revenue streams. They can see big pops, as we saw with NVIDIA, but unlike software companies or others, which are a lot easier to model future forward, there is this beast of cyclicality. And as we look at a couple of earnings calls that we'll talk about today, it really does show up that essentially, and I don't know, Jay, if this is not common or or uncommon, but we kind of have a couple of very big industries all spending downward or slowing spending at the same time. And that is, whether that's been for a few quarters or that's a long-term trend, I call it now this this beast of cyclicality is hitting as we see hyperscalers, slowing spending. The PC market is a, a real hot mess. Some would call it a dumpster fire and is going to continue to be for, for this year. And the smartphone market is drastically down. So some categories that a lot of people depend on kind of all being hit. There's interesting reasons that we'll get into, um, but I'll sort of just lob, lob it out there. It's a cyclical market. We're seeing those patterns play out within these names. Um, on top of that, <laughs> where, what are some other observations, Jay? Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the theater? Just...
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you certainly laid out a pretty bleak landscape. It doesn't help that the market is off today for macro reasons. Um, but I, I think we didn't plan it this way, I am, but I am glad that we we're forced to delay this a little bit because it got us a chance to listen to the three big earnings calls, right? Intel was last week, AMD was yesterday, today was Qualcomm. And none of the results were super exciting or inspiring, but there was good and bad in all of them and a lot of interesting takeaways for the broader industry. And I think sort of top of mind for me is earlier this year, all these companies said, oh, we're going to have a recovery in the second half in consumer demand. We're going to see spending for PCs and phones pick up in the second half of this year. But at some point, it start, it's it it stopped sounding like they had evidence to support that and they were just expressing a hope. And I think that's playing out now where uh, we're not actually seeing a big resurgence in consumer spending around PCs, laptops, phones, or any of that stuff. It's not terrible, but it's not... It's not recovering strongly as some people, many companies that sort of hoped to yes. take place. And then data center, I think is very, very complicated what's going on in the data center. I think if you'd asked me, what, six months ago, sort of before generative AI took off, I would have said, it seems very likely that we're going to see a, some kind of shoe dropping in the data center or semis market. Like everybody's been spending so so strongly for so many years Starting to feel like it's getting a little toppy. Then ChatGPT comes along, and now everybody's AI crazy. And some of that is good for semis. There are absolutely hyperscalers who are increasing their spending for this year, but there are a lot of others who are just, you know, uh, you know, spending more on AI and spending less on CPUs or other stuff. And it makes for a very messy market. Uh, there is obviously a lot of hope and expectation that next year AI is additive to the market. We've talked about that. I still am a pretty firm believer that AI is does lead to increased data center spending next year in semis, um, but it's not entirely surprising that this year is going to be a little choppy.
0: Yes, I think the one the one that kind of still makes some sense, but I think was not as expected, like you said, was, was sort of the, the, the data center one because you're right. It, it, I think we had seen some recent refreshes in data center that on your thesis you would have agreed if this was just normal networking, normal you know CPU workloads, not GPUs for training, we had seen like they were sitting on some good inventory. It's obviously changed when everything you've heard is where every every hyperscaler under the sun is trying to get as many H100s as possible. So the, the only real company without a cyclical problem at the moment is NVIDIA. But I, I the more that I talked to some of the hyperscalers at this event I was at last week with Amazon, all the way to um, conversations with Microsoft, conversations with supply chain components, it really does feel like a lot of people didn't quite expect the the trough or, or slowing and spending to happen so much in data center. But something we've hit on before that I think is still true is it's hard. It, it, and I put myself in one of those companies or companies buying these components positions that you don't know what the next few weeks, I'm mean, sorry, a few months to half a year is going to look like with gen AI. It'd be hard to make a gigantic CapEx bet right now when there's a chance that I'm either wrong or the market changes a lot in six months. So I still feel like there's a lot of waiting, wait and see that happens. Where are they gonna place their bets? They might have ideas, but they don't wanna place them all at this moment. And that's adding an extra drag that, that, that I think is sort of souring the upside potential, which again, brings the question about what happens in 24. But it does feel like there's not movement, there's no willingness to spend because Questions are being asked. There's still uncertainty.
1: I I would hate to say, I told you so. I hate when people say that, but that's not going to stop me because I'm fairly certain I've made the point of more than once on this podcast that we don't know what all this generative AI is going to be used for. Yeah. Right. We don't, we just don't know what the consumer use cases are. It seems exciting, big. It probably will be, but I, I sort of defy anybody to give me you know, tangible use cases beyond writing content, spam, and right. code assist. And those are important, meaningful things, but it's a fairly narrow segment of the consumer audience. How is the average consumer going to use these things or care about them? Right. Something's
0: out there. I don't think we know
1: really yes. what it is.
0: I, I, I agree. So, so I guess that then begs the question, because there's three categories we're talking about. And those three semiconductor names you mentioned span those. There is the data center, there is PC and client, and then there is smartphones. Um, automotive's obviously a part of this, but those cycles are very different. So let's just focus on, on, on these three. So, so, teeing this up, right, you've got softness in, in smartphones that everybody's been saying, and people realize the refresh rates are, are being held on to longer. Samsung just launched, you know, these foldable devices. They're doing aggressive promotions for trade-ins. Even though you know foldables are a niche part of the market, everybody's you know trying to bring things to market that increase appetite. Apple obviously has a Q4. I'm sure their assumptions are it's a normal Q4 like other Q4s. This might be right or wrong, but essentially that's that's the playbook that they use. Um, but it's clear that there's softness. China's recovery has taken some time I, you might know more about kind of the macro issues there but constant hearing about uh, challenges in China so you've just got a really bad year for smartphones right so let's let's just sort of start there it's soft If you know something about China I've heard this pretty regularly the recovery is has, has not been fast I think a lot of it's dependent on on China um, but let's talk smartphone softness what, what other? Context you have there, so I, I'm I'm convinced that this whole
1: idea that there's going to be this that there was going to be a big resurgence in China spending uh, came from New York City, from Wall Street, more much more so than it did from Beijing or Guangzhou or Shanghai, right? It, it's regardless, we're, we're not seeing a big uptick in consumer spending coming out of China. Uh, there are big macro reasons that we don't have to get into here. I I write about them sometime, but there there are some pretty significant challenges facing the Chinese macro economy that would make the average consumer a little bit wary of upgrading their phone too quickly. And I think in the rest of the world, uh, everybody bought new phones during the pandemic. And now the, the world has returned to normal and what's the hurry to get a new one? You know the fold the, the folding phones are interesting. They're very expensive. Right? It's a niche market, uh, and I'm in no hurry to buy one. Mm-hmm. I my my guess is that Apple is in no hurry to build one. They already have a three thousand dollar device coming next year. I don't think they need to. Um, again, the consumer use case is just not clear. It's a Bigger phone, okay. Uh, maybe someday, but. It's not. It's not each category. So, so why am I going to go buy a new phone? I think there's a, a bigger problem in the smartphone market, and we saw that in Qualcomm's earnings tonight. Is the the smartphone market is X growth, right? It's it's going to grow like GDP, and that's not exciting. It's you know it's still huge business and it's important, but it's not exciting. And there's no reason. I mean, just think about it as from you, the average consumer. Why are you going to buy a new phone today? There's no there's no hurry. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I have, this, I'm on that upgrade plan for the iPhone. So I get a new one every year. I'm not sure I'm going to take the new one because it takes two days to transfer all my data. That there's just like, there's nothing really compelling. Maybe Apple will have something spectacular and I'll rush to get it. But absent that, what's the exciting reason to buy a new phone? I don't, I can't think of any, right? It's just yeah. this year's phone is a little bit better than last year's phone. So maybe I'll get it. Maybe it won't.
0: Um, so there was some discussion. I don't know how much you've caught it, but I was in the the traveling tracks I've been in the last few weeks. Weeks I was with a number of the the bean counting bean counting analysts, and there was some discussion that um, and and this was interesting that it would parallel the thesis we still have and I have of PCs is that the smartphone markets actually shrunk some, and yes, that would make some sense if. Uh, refreshes were going up across the board then yes you don't you're gonna lose a fraction of those in longevity Um, however you know you've got this other side that interestingly India continues to be a growth volume market but vast at prices under $200 there's a premium segment that's happening there but I'm intrigued by this that the smartphone market might be smaller I mean it was 1.4 ish billion at one point in time right but it's smaller now is an interesting element i don't hear discussed a lot you're just full of good news today <laughs> kind of glass half empty but this is this is me this is me like saying it's being talked about i don't know how much we can quantify it but i think there's some reason reasonable logic to this idea
1: yeah the smartphone market is smaller because we pulled forward a year and a half two years of demand into 2021 and so, all those people bought new phones on a two-year upgrade cycle. They're back now on a four-year bu- upgrade cycle. You do the math.
0: You do the math, and it, it, you have a, a smaller market. Yeah. Okay. So you'll, you you buy you buy it smaller. It's not as big as it was, and it may stay small for a while. Who knows if it gets back to size? But it's a smaller market. It's yeah. I mean, just just that's I, I've seen those numbers too. It's it's not hugely smaller, but it, it shrunk.
1: It shrunk, yeah, right. A couple hundred million units, and 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 it's it's not going to race to catch back up. It will catch up slowly,
0: right? Right.
1: And and it's actually interesting. You you mentioned India, and I think it's important on on Qualcomm's call. One of the things they sort of highlighted as you know highlights of the quarter was they've they've launched. uh, I forget the term they used. Something about sort of widening access to five G. Right. They've launched a bunch of new Snapdragon chips to broaden access to 5G. What they really what that really means is they've launched low-price versions of their modems. And this is normal uh, playbook for Qualcomm where they they start at the high end and they gradually price down their chips and segment it to sort of expand the market. Right, right. Nothing unusual in that, but if that's one of the highlights of the quarter, that's not terribly exciting. That's not great news. It doesn't mean their prices are going to fall. They're pretty good at managing that, but it does mean that the growth they're looking for is in this lower tier price category, which is going to be less uh, less of an impact on numbers. So you have less you don't have that big growth kicker, uh, and it also means they're now firmly into territory where they have to compete with MediaTek. Yep. Right? They don't have to compete with MediaTek for thousand dollar phones. They do have to compete with MediaTek at sort of two to four hundred dollar phones. Like they can't even do two hundred dollars four hundred dollar phones, and and so it's just. It, it's, it's not a disaster but it's just not it's not exciting
0: yeah
1: right and India India is interesting because I mean the Indian cell phone market has been huge for years. Mediatek and its customers really built got built on going into India like, as you noted, super cheap phones. What's interesting about India and I think much of Southeast Asia as well is the emerging or the growth of the flagship price point. It was never a big market. Those are very price sensitive markets, and there wasn't a lot of appetite for eight hundred thousand dollar phones. And that's starting to change. You're starting to see people buy more expensive phones there. Translation: People are starting to buy Apple. They're starting to buy iPhones. So it's really good news for Apple. It's it is at best neutral for all the other handset vendors and for Qualcomm. Um, You know, it's it's a sort of different. It's an additive category. It's not necessarily taking away from anything else. Yeah. but it's it's one of those things where the benefits aren't are going to be accrued to mostly to Apple and no one else.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and similarly, MediaTek's earnings weren't awful, but again, flattish. So it just kind of commentary was around: we need recovery, we're hoping for recovery, but it's soft all around. So I, I think there's more than enough, um, more than enough evidence that that's happened, and and and. How might it recover, I think, is a, is a key one. All right, so we'll get back to the meta point I want to make. We're just slicing it off one by one. So similar, though, to phones, the, 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 the PC market's not great, although Intel, on a tough compare, had better than expected, I think, for most people, slight bump in, in PCs. To your point of, of your thesis, people believed the trough was somewhere in the middle of the year, late Q2 to Q3. The assumption is, to be honest with you, I don't see it improving the next uh, two quarters. I've had a range of conversations with ODMs, and it doesn't look great, shipment demand. However, they've cleared through inventory. So that has been resolved. So now it's a matter of what can I sell into the channel (laughs) now that inventory is gone. How might that look? We we are, I will say, in a back-to-school spending, so maybe something like that helps. I don't think it saves the year. I think it's still a hot mess of a PC year, but PC is down, staying down, depressed for this year. I think you'll continue to see that reflect in, in AMD and Intel's um, earnings going forward.
1: Yeah, I, so one, I, the, the, the trends in PC seem very similar to smartphones where you yes. had that big big demand pull forward in 2021 yes now we're paying the price for that uh, I think you're you're you are we are also seeing a similar dynamic with more and more of the value accruing to Apple mm. in this category and I think that's a, a something we don't talk about much mm. uh, it's just background noise but I think it's very true that the the price gap between Apple and everyone else is growing which means they're collecting a lot more of the profits and Again, I'm not sure why anybody's going to be in a hurry to buy a, a PC
0: this this year. Yes, agreed. Um, okay, so I have a I have a point to get that you we're building to my my grand thesis. All right. Yeah. So then we talked a little bit about data center. Do we do we think it stays that same way like through this year? Because I I've been trying to sift through what you keep hearing in hyperscaler spending being down, and and they keep trying to isolate it to a quarter to short term but i i am curious if this could last a whole year as well that that 23 in general might be a somewhat down spend year for hyperscalers as they sort through everything we've talked about which was not i think an assumption a, a quarter or two ago yeah i the, i mean the data center is so many moving parts right now um, but memory's off i mean like memory's abysmal you've got you know, I hadn't even seen good in networking, so it's kind of like it feels like it's a lot. Like it's it's holistic. To data center spending is down. I I, I don't know. I think there are categories where the spending is up. Like certain categories of memory are doing
1: really well. High bandwidth memory is doing pretty well. Yeah. HBM is doing pretty well. GPUs. I mean, we, we have to. You know, NVIDIA is part of this, and so they're they're doing. They seem to be doing okay. Um, I I think overall, like I said, I think overall spend in the data center for semis is probably exactly where we would have forecasted it was a year ago. It's just that the mix is really skewed sharply mm-hmm. towards NVIDIA and AI adjacent things. And that's that's not terrible, right? I mean, AI spending is still doing well. Everybody's still building data centers. We talked about this last time where people are still scrambling to find electricity to build their new data centers. The overall, I think the overall builds are still pretty much where we thought they would would have been nine months ago. But it's just getting all these new data centers are just getting filled up with GPUs, and yep. that that changes the networking stack too because yep. a lot of there's a lot of more Nvidia involved in that, and so uh, it'll be interesting when Nvidia reports in a few weeks to see how much of how how much of a benefit they're seeing across. Is it just GPUs or is it across mm-hmm. their whole business? I suspect it's across right. their whole business because you know right they have Grace Hopper, they have all the, they have Mellanox. yeah they have a whole bunch of things going on. I suspect uh, they're, they're seeing benefits across, across all of those.
0: Yes, I, I would agree. And, 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 I'm, and I'm with you in terms of how interesting that beat would be because you, you and I hear this a lot, right? Oh, we want alternatives to NVIDIA. There isn't a good one in GPUs. But, but, but part of the sentiment when we hear competitors say that this is what they're hearing from customers is they're basically saying we don't want to be locked into NVIDIA. However, the more that that hyperscaler starts buying their networking parts, Grace Hopper, you are now deep in NVIDIA's ecosystem. (laughs) So the more success they have there, the more lock-in they have, I think, broadly with the market, despite what customers are hearing.
1: I I think everybody is saying they want to find some alternative to NVIDIA. And uh, uh, NVIDIA has 11 billion reasons this quarter why that's not taking place. Right. Um, uh, yeah. L- long term, this market will change. Nvidia is not going to own 100% of the AI market. Yes. Correct. Two years from now, three years from now, but it's going to take a long time, right? People are just discovering that they need AI, and they got to figure out what to do with it. And then once they have that sorted out, then they'll start adapting their plans accordingly, uh, and and buying, you know, other things. I, I I will say the AMD call, I think was fairly positive from an AI standpoint. Right. They yes, have a exactly. lot of traction in getting people to demo their M, M series, uh, M 300. Yeah. 300, right. Yeah, 300. Right. X. And I think it, it would be, I don't know if people did this, but I, I, it's unreasonable to expect, like that product got announced what a month ago, two months ago. And yeah. it, it's not going to be in, in revenue yes. until the end of the year, but right. the fact that people are sampling it is exactly what you want to hear. Right. Those samples right. will convert, but it, it it takes a year to go from a brand new chip to actually in production in volume, is right. at least a year, it's 18 months to get it really to noticeable numbers. Right. So they're they're doing fine on that front. It's just, you know, I've, maybe people wanted it faster, sooner. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing I I had been seeing. Not necessarily customers. Obviously, customers are like, give it to us as fast as, as we can. But the, a lot of the pressure from investors felt like a very short-term, make money on AI now. And you're like, this is going to take some time. Like, it's not an immediate... Demand, but like that's what they were saying. When are you going to make money from this? When are you going to make money from this? Because they want to see those incremental dollars. And you're right. It's an unreasonable expectation. But yeah, I think AMD saying, guiding to, we're seeing real customer demand and having a lot of customer conversations for MI300X for next year says two things. It says, one, we are going to see a bump in training or in inference like we've been talking about because that's an inference part. So you will be able to see dollar values go to inference. Um, And two, it is showing that they've, got traction and so therefore there's a positive positive uh narrative for them in 24 around ai and i think that's why the stock did pretty well despite today's drop but was up after like you said which was kind of a mixed bag of earnings
1: yeah it was it, it, so that amd specifically the stock was up pretty nicely after hours it's gotten pummeled today as has the rest of the market for other reasons yeah. and i think the, the problem was people Read the read the results, heard their comments, and it was like, oh, this is a pretty good story. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. But then overnight, they had time to sort of think through it and digest it and look through all the puts and takes and all the little weird things
0: going on to name these numbers. Yeah. And so, stocks down today, plus you know, plus macro. Yeah. All right, to my to my master thesis of the moment. Here we go. So so we talk. So this is the twenty four point, and and I feel like even without this point. There would have been some true recovery. The longer the market stays depressed, the bigger the opportunity for some growth to happen in these cycles that we talk about. I think what's become clear to me, and this is true of edge products, this is true of data center, this is true of of almost every everything that you and I have thought about where workflows will matter in AI is going to require new hardware. So a new compute system is going to be needed to take advantage of... All of this wonderful AI. That's again, that's back end infrastructure, that's client devices, smartphones, and PCs. So so the question then for me about this recovery is is there a timeline where the use cases, meaning that the software on our phones, the the AI capabilities of our phones, the AI capabilities of our PCs, the AI all being fueled by the cloud, somewhere lands next year, that then kicks a cycle a new cycle of refresh of devices. Because if that if that can happen and I think that's those those things are necessary, but if that can happen next year, then I think there's a lot of positivity for this. Again, all based on all this wonderful stuff in AI it requires new hardware and when those two things collide in end-use cases, I think we'll see this cycle ramp.
1: I might quibble on timing, but I I think I agree with you. Let's assume that we start to figure out some really compelling consumer use cases for generative AI. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this starts to look really interesting for consumers. Or, or maybe it just takes a little bit longer and it just gradually builds up. People find more and more ways to use ChatGPT or whatever. Absolutely, that's going to require increases in hardware across the board, right? And its I think that is going to happen no matter what in the data center. I think that probably next year the consumer side depends a little bit more on these use cases, but if consumers start to really use this stuff, I think having the ability to do inference, AI inference on your device is going to be critically important. I don't think generative AI works economically unless we can offload half that, half those workloads into the edge where into the devices so that the hyperscalers don't have to foot the entire bill themselves. Mm-hmm. They let you pay for it. Um, and, and that's gonna be really good for for phones and for pcs I, I'm, I'm hesitating a little bit on phones because I'm not sure it's it's still very unclear to me how if Qualcomm can actually make money off of what they can do in AI but I think it, it will at, at the very least if, it, if it's interesting to consumers it will spark an upgrade cycle which will help everybody's numbers at some point right no, you know no. I, I mean what, one of the things that AMD announced was that they now have their their next line of client CPUs have, Uh, NPU blocks, neural blocks built into the device, right? And I think that's, you know, I think they're the first, I think they're ahead of Intel to do that. And and that's pretty interesting, right? Apple, of course, has had neural blocks in their M series for, you know, since M1 started. Uh, This is, you know, AMD is now trying to be competitive with that. And I think if consumers get to the point where they care about generative AI, they'll start appreciating that and looking for laptops that have those.
0: Yep.
1: Features.
0: (laughs) So I'll add two things to that. I totally agree with you on phones. I think that's going to be a tricky one. I think the timing question is a relevant one. I know we will see some things next year that land the use case on computers. The question is going to be how truly interesting is it or how compelling do does that lead to the market? But but I want to make a point on what you said, because this goes back to Qual- to Qualcomm. Um, Qualcomm has historically, you know, they make a PC part. Most people forget about this today, but it's, it's, they make a PC part, the, uh, the, the Qualcomm HCX cx and Waterworld. I,
1: I didn't forget. I just didn't mention yeah, it.
0: You didn't forget you didn't mention it. The one thing I will say about that part that is, extremely competitive is their NPU. In fact, their NPU is far better than Intel's and AMD's. So for the, and it even is on par and in some cases better in terms of overall tops than Apple's. Okay, but it needs software to take advantage of it, right? Just to say I've got an insane number of tops or the most is there. We know they have a part coming for next year to PCs, that this has been said in commentary. Microsoft has acknowledged this. There's stuff coming with this new chip. We'll get details of that later in the fall. But but their potential, I think, in the PC category to showcase what could be possible when you have a ton of tops on device and some software that takes advantage of these interesting features, I'm going to be very curious how the market responds to that. Now, again, I don't think they're going to grab tremendous share day one, but, but I'm convinced, exactly like you said, I, I'm convinced that that part, the NPU, is one of the most Critical parts of us doing on-device AI, whatever that, all, whatever use cases you and I, you and I talk about, and that's a new competitive dynamic because it's not just CPU or GPU performance anymore. We're talking about another another part that starts to get sliced and diced, right, in terms of transistor budget. But that's the thing that's going to take advantage of the software, whatever software experiences we came up come up with. This NPU bit has become super super interesting. So that. That I'm really curious about because that will enable, I hope, the things that we want to see in software.
1: I I think where you and I differ is you're you are more confident that we're going to get that software soon, and I think uh, I mean, it's going to take next longer. Year, whatever, yeah. I uh, yeah, I'm I I would like to see it. I'm not convinced we're going to see it.
0: That's fine. Right. We, we 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 can differ on the timing, but if it happens, we can talk about it. But my point is. Everybody wants to show something yeah but it needs that level of NPU tops to do it and I think we'll have it so now'll we'll software take advantage of it
1: yeah it's a fair point that it, it's a little bit chicken and egg people won't get excited about doing cool AI things on their laptops until they can actually do those things and you need the chips to be able to do that yeah so full, full credit to Qualcomm for, for developing that stuff but here's here's my very serious question how much would you pay extra? to have neural blocks in your PC.
0: So, I think what's going to happen is it's 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 less about that, but it will continue the ASP trend that we're seeing. But but to, to the same point of phones, right? Cuz phone ASPs are increasing in most parts of the world within within some some portion. So, I get you. It's going to have to be included, right? I don't expect like Apple to be like, "Oh, it's 200 more bucks." My point is can that, can that moment, let's just say that this moment is summer of next year, can this moment then kick a cycle where people are like, I need a new device. And then we just decide, like, these are not going to be low-end devices that do this, for example, right, day one. These will be expensive devices for six to 12 months sometime into next year. So you're already going to have to spend up if you want one of these things but to your point that's going to be the question will somebody who bought an 800 dollar pc and now needs to spend 1200 is it compelling enough that they'll do that and and i and i agree that's a fair question and we'll see the software has to take advantage of it
1: yeah I, we we need that we need that better software and when uh, I, let me i'll, I'll turn it around actually i'll say we're going to need something like that something so exciting that it changes right. consumer behavior where consumers are aware of this right. app that they really wanna run on their laptop and they they are aware that it, the, the chip that's powering that laptop right. determines the experience, That's right. that it's gonna take something like that for Qualcomm to break into the PC market,
0: right? And absent well, that, I
1: think it's going to be very hard for them.
0: I, 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 I would expand that point to say it's gonna take something like that to refuel the entirety of the PC market, including Intel and AMD.
1: I, I think normal cyclicality Returns. I, well, it's a cycle, right? Sometimes it's down now; it'll be up again at some point, depending on consumer, a bazillion consumer factors, right? And so enterprise spending, yeah. and enterprise spending. But I think uh, it, does it does it really sort of does something come to accelerate that and really outsize the growth? That will yeah, depend yeah. entirely on the consumer application, right? right? Exactly. But yeah, and so I think that's true for the industry. I think for Qualcomm in particular. They really need yeah. something like that to differentiate to get in.
0: Yes, 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 agree. And I and I think, though, this comes back to when I think about the PC market. It, it, it has shrunk, and it's shrunk, like you said, like we talked about, because um, device lifestyle got bigger. However, there is enough evidence out there that the market, in terms of, that the installed base grew after COVID. So you kind of grew an installed base, but we shrunk annual shipments. And so something in there... I think, becomes a catalyst to maybe move more of that market. Again, not that the market's going to go back to 330 million units ever again. It's going to be under 300. But we're at like mid 200s at the moment. It's it's, it's ugly, right? Something I think could kick it higher. And that's my point. If this moment happens, maybe we pull forward some earlier earlier purchases
1: some somebody we were speaking to this morning actually made a good point he he pointed out that even though uh, refresh cycles have slowed the age of computers has actually dropped the average age of a computer has dropped right right which makes me think that like there's a lot of people out there who probably want to go buy a new computer yeah,
0: yeah.
1: hey one other thing i one other thing i think was it was worth we kind of danced around it, but it was clear on the AMD call, We the enterprise, right? because we've talked about data center, we've talked about consumer, but I think the enterprise is worth, worth a few seconds because AMD went out of their way to point to enterprise as an important sort of future market for them in terms of cloud and server stuff beyond, not client, but data center. And I thought that was important because this is one of the theories that's been floating out there is that the enterprises have for years been slowly, slowly moving everything to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And there is a real possibility that AI is something that reverses that trend, like not entirely, but there's something that will could alter the trajectory, the pace. There, there are they're clearly going to be AI workloads that big enterprises are going to want to keep internal. And so I thought it was interesting that, that AMD is now retooling it, building up a sales force to go after that market. Now you, you made a pretty good point at the time when we were talking about it, that this is not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, but I think it is, it, it would be, it would be really good. I think for the semis market, if we start to see some, you know, rejuvenation, some more signs of life from the enterprise, if big companies started building data Agreed. centers internally.
0: Agreed. But, but like you said, it, it's got to land on a couple of those things because to be honest with you, like I've seen some of these economics, it, it is in general for them easier to move workflows to the cloud, then upgrade their on-prem infrastructure. So there has to be those things where they're like, I have to keep it here, therefore I'll make this investment because that's one of the main reasons why their infrastructure has been lagging. There hasn't been an increased spend on on-prem because so many workloads, it's just easier to move to the cloud. It's still secure. Those guys isolate you from other vendors with you know local CPUs. So. That's why something's got to bring that back. And I think that thesis is sound, but it's what is it? Right? What part of this makes them say it's more valuable to me to keep this here than the cost savings I get to move it to public cloud?
1: Yeah. And I, I think absent AI, we probably wouldn't have seen that. But right. there's a decent argument that AI is significant enough and it's all the sense really sensitive data that it touches on.
0: Agree gives gives a and- lot of enterprises pause. And wouldn't you agree, though? Then, it, it, let, so let's just say that thesis develops. There's a growth send there. I don't think this dependency that we see at the hyperscalers on NVIDIA exists there. There's more. There's more fair play for all vendors in an on-prem environment.
1: Oh, a- absolutely, okay. absolutely. I think it's important for for non for companies not named NVIDIA. I think it's really important yeah. for a lot of the startups that are trying to go after this space. They really need that. Yeah, uh, and so. I think that's and I actually I think I think the cloud spending probably that that pattern would have shifted anyway we're sort of it's a pendulum it goes back and forth right I I think people were starting to slow there's a growing awareness that the cloud is actually not cheaper over a long term once you get to a certain Mm -hmm. scale you don't really want to use public cloud Um, but I think AI really does accelerate this and as long as you're learning you have to learn a whole new set of capabilities how to do AI you're hiring the 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 sort of t- engineering force for that yeah t team yeah. for that yeah you're you're gonna I, it's, it's not clear to me that they're gonna go after nvidia yes. directly yeah. on the other hand nvidia does have eight million partners lined up to do right. all this stuff so yeah maybe they'll get yeah. that market too yeah. <laughs> maybe but,
0: but i agree the on-prem is a sleeper story to keep your eye in something could pop there. That could change the fortunes of a couple companies so sleeper story keep an eye on that hopefully that we had a mix of of uh glass half full and glass half empty today i did that in total reverse but but (laughs) this was a mix of ups and downs hopefully everybody got a wide commentary but uh we appreciate you listening and we are optimistic it's just we recognize the cyclicality is a beast
1: semis are cyclical who'd have thunk it
0: this is cyclical all right thanks for listening everybody and until next time we'll talk to you later
1: thank you everybody please click like and subscribe tell your friends